0: Welcome to Parkview. We're glad you're here. There's a lot to be afraid of, isn't there? Like the Cubs this year. They're going to be great now. That's all I hear about is the Cubs, how they, you know, they just, they just hired Batman and Superman, and you know, there's always next year. Um, hey, um, we're glad that you're here. I, I, there's a... There's a Special thing going on this weekend for those of you at our Lockport campus, and we just want to say congratulations to you as you finish out a season in this building and uh, move over to uh, the new building in Homer Glen. It, is, uh, it has been a remarkable journey. Many years ago, several years ago, about seven years ago, the church in Lockport came to us. It was there and said, hey, why don't you take our building and see what happens, and you guys have killed it over there, done some amazing things. God has blessed uh, Uh, To the point where, when the Eagle Rock campus came available, um, that's twice the size and gives us that much more opportunity. We had to take it. We had to keep moving, just like we've had to keep moving at our Orland campus from Tinley to Orland, and all the things that we've done because there's more ministry to be done. But. Uh, we recognize what it's like to leave behind. Many of you have had uh, family members baptized there. You've had weddings. You've had sp- significant things. And uh, I just want to bless you as you are getting ready to move over to this new campus and, and uh, just imagine what God's going to do. Um, I want to tell you about Christmas Eve. I'm not preaching this weekend, in case you didn't hear that already. i got my friend Todd Clark here to preach, because I want to have the voice and the energy and the brain to be ready to roll next weekend, uh, and to do 11 times at this campus, and there's going to be four at the, at the Homer Clant campus, and what I want you to do is invite people. We've got these CDs with three original songs on them by our band. They went down to Nashville, recorded with Chris Tomlin's people down there, recorded this. This is good, isn't it? If you guys have been listening to it, it's Amazing music, and uh, and we're gonna. I want you to grab these and give them out on your way because there's a way for you to invite people right there on the back. All the service times are there, um, and we're ready. I mean, be thinking about this, okay? This is a, This is a season where we have an opportunity, and and, and the fear not. I mean. Who knew when we decided to do Fear Not, which was like really literally back in the summertime, who knew all the things that were going to be going on in the world? I mean, this is a time when people are looking uh, for answers. They're looking to figure out what's going to happen, and there's more to be afraid of. And we know who who that is that holds the future. We know about our God who is uh, mighty and conquered everything. And so we got the message to give them. So I want you to invite somebody. My friend Todd Clark's here. Usually when I say, um, you know, welcome my friend, they're not really my friend. I'm just lying. Um, but I usually do that on video so it doesn't feel as bad. I'm, 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 I'm doing this because I'm, he really is one of my best friends. And we've done ministry together for a very long time. Our wives are good friends. Our, our family members are our friends. And uh, he's a teaching pastor, Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, uh, one of the largest churches in America. Uh, which happens to be where my daughter Becca is doing a residency and a master's program right now. Uh, So that just shows you how many things that we have in common. As a matter of fact, I went out there on Sunday afternoon and taught Monday at their leadership institute in Phoenix, and now I got this sucker to come to Chicago and preach for us this weekend. That's how this whole thing works, but please do not tell him what it's usually like here because he's from Phoenix. I want him to come back in the winter, so let him think that this is normal, all right? Don't, don't, don't let on anything else. White Christmas? What's a white Christmas, Todd? We have no idea. Would you please welcome my good friend, Todd Clark? <clears> Thanks, <throat> <laughs> buddy. <laughs> oh,
1: man. I tell you what, I'm so honored to be here and, and with Tim and family and, and have been following you guys uh, for years uh, online and what God is doing with you and in you and, and through you. Is uh, It's inspiring. And so to be able to be here with you this weekend and uh, give Tim a break heading into next weekend is just a real honor uh, for me. And as he mentioned, we are continuing this series called Fear Not. Everybody say fear not. Fear Fear not. That's where we're headed. Make sure we're all kind of headed in the same direction today. Here's what I want you to do as we dive into our study. I want you to think about a fear not moment that you've experienced in your life. Think back to a time in your life where your courage was really challenged, where it was really tested. For me, one of the very first things I think was a fear-not moment for me uh, is all the way back to junior high school. Uh, I was in seventh grade, and I kind of had a run-in with a much older kid. He was in ninth grade. His name was Jason. And uh, Jason, in the ninth grade, as I remember it, was about 6'4", 220, and, uh, had a full beard, you know, he was 18 years old, uh, still in ninth grade, and, uh, Jason was feared by even the most powerful guys and girls in the school, and, uh, by the way, on the note of girls, there was this one girl in our junior high named Jennifer, and, uh, Jennifer had definitely reached babehood early, okay, and I loved her. I really did. I loved her, and after many, many, many weeks of her and I passing notes back and forth in class, she finally decided to check the box, and we decided to go together, and I don't know where we were going, we were in junior high, but we were a couple. And the very first day we were a couple, I'll never forget this, I, I meet her at her gym locker in the morning before her first hour class, and I grab her books and I walk her to her first hour class, and then I go to my first hour class, which was gym. And as I was at my gym locker, and this guy, Jason, comes up beside me. And Jason, again, was kind of strange, he, he talked a little slow, he was kind of mean, kind of scary, and he looked at me and he said, Todd... Jennifer is my girlfriend. And I said, okay, yeah, whatever, Jason, she's your girlfriend. And I guess it wasn't right because the next thing I remember is him grabbing my shirt and bringing in me clothes and saying, Todd, I'm um, seriously, seriously, Jennifer is my girlfriend. And I said, okay, Jason, whatever, she's your girlfriend, you know, whatever. I go on with the day, everything's just fine past that. And then at the end of the day, I meet Jennifer at her locker, and I get to do... What all junior high guys are excited to do, since we don't drive, I get to walk her to her bus. <laughs> and so I, I grab her books, and again, I can remember it like it was yesterday. This is unbelievable. And I grab her books, and, and I've got her hand, and we walk out into the courtyard of the school, and there's just like a gauntlet of buses, the way I remember it. There's eight or ten buses, and I remember having her books and having her hand, and I'm walking along all of these buses, and of course, out of these buses, all of my friends are chanting my name and, and throwing graffiti and things like that. And, you know, I'm just walking. It's glorious. And, and I remember as we're walking, I hear somebody running up behind us. And I turn around just in time to see Jason standing right in front of me but looking at Jennifer. And he breaks our hands apart and he grabs her hand in front of all these people. And he looks at me and he says, Todd, Jennifer is my girlfriend. And, and as many of you guys know here, I'm in a real fix, right? Because I can say, yeah, okay, Jason, whatever, but then Jennifer's gonna think I'm a wimp or something like that. So I did what I've seen guys do many, many, many times before in the movies. Uh, I, <laughs> I grabbed her hand, I, I grabbed her hand back, and I said, get your stinking hands off her. She's my girlfriend. And, of course, Jennifer, you know, was like so lit up. She was so excited. Jason, not nearly as impressed. The next thing I remember was him just rearing back, biffing me right in my forehead. I fall down to the ground in front of all my friends on the buses, in front of Jennifer. And I just remember thinking to myself, I've been hit. I've been hit. (laughs) Finally, I pull myself back up off the ground. It seemed like forever. It was probably just a minute. And I looked Jason right in his eyes. This was my fear, not moment. And you know what I did? I ran. <laughs> I, r- I ran because I was scared to death. I was in junior high for crying out loud. I, I I ran. And and the reason I bring all of that up is because I think all of us have these moments in our lives that are like these fear-not moments, right? These times when our courage is tested and challenged. And the time you have to decide, am I gonna be courageous when it comes to this addiction I have in my life or not? When it comes to the alcohol or the drugs. Or the pornography? Am I, am I going to be courageous when it comes to my marriage in this new year? Am I going to really try and fight to have a world-class marriage? Or am I just going to continue to let it drift and see where it ends up? Am I going to be courageous when it comes to raising my children? Am I going to be courageous when it comes to growing the business that God has given to you? Or what about this? Are you going to be courageous with that dream that God has placed in you. You know the dream I'm talking about, right? That dream that maybe not even everybody knows about. It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of risk. Are you going to be courageous with that? You see, I think we all have these courageous fear-not moments that collide with us in our lives. And all I want to say to you today is that this is nothing new. This has been occurring for thousands and thousands of of years. In fact, if you have a Bible with you today, I want to ask you to grab that Bible, or if you have a smartphone or a tablet or something like that, however you locate scripture these days, I want you to find Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be studying today, and while I'm giving you some time to find that, let me just kind of bring you up to speed. We're going to study the story today of a teenage girl. Her name is Mary, and she faced a fear not moment with great courage. And so we're going to spend about the next 25 minutes or so just kind of diving into her life, pulling apart her life, and, and really studying this very first Christmas. Now if you know the story, you know it starts with the appearance of an angel. In the Bible, there's over 300 different times that angels appear to different people. And last weekend... If you were around here as we began the Fear Not series, Tim mentioned several things that angels do. So if you're taking notes and want to write these things down, Tim mentioned, first of all, that angels are ministering spirits. One of the big things they do is go in front of us and behind us and beside us and above us and below us, and they, they, they guide us and they help us, they minister to us. He also mentioned that they're warriors, that the angels go to battle for us in the heavenly realm. And In fact, if we could see beyond our humanness in this room, How many of you know that there's this angelic, there's this battle going on, on our behalf, even right now? They're warriors. And then Tim also mentioned that they're messengers. They're like these supernatural messengers from God. And many times when angels come into the Bible or into people's lives, actually, they bring a very specific and very special message to them. And that's exactly what happens here in Mary's life. So let's pick it up, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. It says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth the town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David and the virgin's name was Mary Now pause right there for just a moment uh, as the story opens up Mary is a teenager In love. And she's pledged to be married to this guy named Joseph. And and that means basically that she's promised, she's agreed to marry this guy named Joseph. And and the actual wedding could be a a year away, even eight months or a year away. Uh, This couple, Mary and Joseph, would have acted kind of and considered themselves to be married, but they didn't live together and they didn't consummate their marriage physically. Mary lived with her parents, Joseph lived with his parents, and, and they were waiting till that wedding day and that wedding feast and that celebration where they would come and live together. And I just want you to realize that. That's very important for our study today, that backdrop. you got to get your mind into this, that Mary, the girl we're studying, is like a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl. She's like a, you know, some junior high girl? She's like a junior high girl, and she's living with her parents and this is the most exciting time of her life. And, and I imagine if she's like any other teenager during this time, her wedding is all she can think of. I mean, as she is, you know, she's paging through bridal books and things like that, you know, looking at pictures and planning her wedding and that sort of thing. Man, this, this is the most adventuresome, exciting time in her young life. And this is also exactly when God breaks in. God breaks in and sends an angel to Mary. And this angel brings a message about God's purpose for her life. And this purpose for her life is going to be so shocking that it completely changes her entire life. And and by extension, it changes our lives, even here today. Continue on. Take a look at this, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord... Is with you, and Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I want you to see this part of you. I want you to see that when, when the angel comes to Mary, she's not so much scared or nervous about his appearance, how he looks. She's not freaked out by the way he looks. What really gets to Mary is what he said. She was greatly troubled by his words, not just what he looked like. Let me ask you this, have you ever been troubled by God's words to you in your life, by God's purposes for you in your life? Let me, let me ask you, has, has God ever asked you to do something that you just didn't understand? Has God ever prompted you or, or put something into your heart that you're saying, are you serious? What? What? Has that ever happened to you? I can think of many times that I didn't quite understand God's purpose and plan. Let me take you back uh, a little while. A few years ago, I was in uh, California. I was a pastor in a church there in Southern California. It was a Saturday afternoon. And uh, I had my message all finished and ready to go for the weekend. I was only preaching on Sundays. And so I decided to go down to the beach on a Saturday afternoon. Had some extra time on my hands. And so I went down to this place called Paradise Cove in Malibu. Uh, Maybe you know this place. It's right near Pepperdine University. And I get down there. I have lunch. It's just a fantastic, beautiful day. Hardly a cloud in the sky. And I get done eating lunch and I decide to take a walk along the beach. And so I put on my beanie, put on some headphones, and I start to just walk down the beach in Malibu. Now, if you know anything about the beach in Malibu, you know that it's just lined with five and ten and twenty-five million-dollar homes, and these people who own these homes, they think they own the beach too okay? They, they don't. It's a public beach, but they believe they own it. So I'm walking down the beach. There's hardly anyone else on the beach. I'm walking for like hundreds of yards, and I basically don't see anybody. Three, four hundred yards, quarter mile, I barely see anybody. And then I see these three people, two two guys and a girl, setting up just about 50 yards from me up the beach. And, and I kind of walk by them, and I see them, and they look amazing and beautiful and rich and intimidating. And uh, so, so I just kind of walk by them. I just kind of give them the head nod, you know, and kind of the peace sign, like, you know, Hey, I own that house over there kind of thing. And like, I live here. And so like, like I fit, right. And, and so I walk and, and, and I go for about a half an hour and I turn around. I didn't see anybody else. I come back. I walk about a half an hour and there's three people are still sitting there. I get back to my car about three or 400 yards away. and I'm about to get into my car. I'm still standing on the beach and God stops me. And just as clearly as I can tell you, God stops me, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but God speaks to my heart, and he says this to me, Todd, I need you to go back and talk to those three people about me. And at that point, I, I don't want to burst your bubble about me as a pastor, but I got to tell you, my first response was, what? Are you serious? God, is this you? And I had this huge argument with God. Have you ever had that kind of argument with God? Is God, is this really you? Am I really supposed to be doing this? So I had this argument with God. And and what happens is he wins the argument as usual. And so I turn around and I start walking back towards these people. I I had no idea what I was supposed to say. And and here's the thing. I'll, I'll finish that story at the end of the message today. How about that? Okay. I'll finish that. And some of you are going, are you serious? We don't like you. Tim, we don't like him at all. Here, here's, here, here's the thing. Here's why I want to leave it right there because I'm in, the, I'm in this moment where I don't understand what God is asking me to do and why he's asking me to do it. And, and you're going to have many of those points in your life as well. But I want to say this to you. You can trust God even when the season and scenarios of your life are fearful and don't make sense. You know why? Because God has a perfect track record of faithfulness. And he's not going to blow it on you. That's why. He has a perfect track record of faithfulness all throughout the centuries. And he's not going to blow it on you. He's not going to blow it on me. God's not looking down right now saying, you know what? I can help him. I can help her. I can take care of them in the past. I can take care of them. But you, I don't know about you. That's going to be a problem. No. He's got a perfect track record of faithfulness. And he's not going to blow it on you or me. Fear not, Parkview. Everybody say fear not. Fear not, Parkview. God's going to be faithful to you, just like he was to Mary. Take a look at this, verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's Mary's fear not moment. Don't be afraid, Mary. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then then I love this, verse 34, look at this. Mary says this, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How will this be? I love Mary's response. She's She's not saying, God, I don't think you can do it. She's not saying, God, I don't want you to do it. She's just saying, how? How in the world? Is what you're describing going to take place? You ever been there in your life? I think this is where you and I live lots of times. That we love God. That we trust Him. I mean, we're at church for crying out loud. We're singing to Him. We pray to Him. And we see Him work in all kinds of other people's lives. But sometimes we wonder if He'll really work in ours. God, I... I have a son who we raised up in the church and trained the best we could to know who you are. And now, as he gets into his young adult years, he's uh, he's going his own way. And uh, it's been a long while since he's been in church. And and God, I know I've seen you work in other people's lives, but God, how? Isn't that the question we ask? How are you going to do it for my son? Or maybe your marriage is just on the rocks. And you come into church on a weekend and the right thing to do is, you know, to kind of put on a smile and shake hands and be like everything is okay when you come into church on the weekend. But what you're thinking, the tape that's playing in your mind the whole time while I'm saying these things is you're thinking, okay, God, I know you've helped other people. I know you've helped other marriages, but how are you going to help mine? How are you going to do this, God? Because when we go home this weekend, you know what's going to happen? He's going to go sit in the living room and I'm going to go in the kitchen. Or he's going to go in his office and I'm going to go upstairs and you know what, God? We won't talk again for days. Or God, how are you going to help me with this addiction in my life? How's this going to happen? And, and the thing is that I just want to say no matter where you're living in that space, for you and I, it's, it's not up to us to, to know how God is going to do all these things. It, it's up to us if you're taking notes to just trust this, that whatever God originates, God also orchestrates. Whatever he originates in your, in your life, he also orchestrates in your life. It's not up to you to figure out every single one of the pieces and put everything in place and trying to get it all just right. It's not up to you to always know how. It's up to God to know how and, and you and I to trust him and follow him with our lives. Now, sometimes, sometimes God does tell you how. He shows you how he's going to do certain things in your life or in your family. That's what happens in Mary's life. Take a look at verse 35. The angel answered. Mary, Mary remember, said, how? How is this going to happen since I'm a virgin? And here's what God says. The angel says. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to have be been able to conceive, she's in her sixth month. And then I love this, verse Verse 37 for no word from, the Lord, from, the, from, from God will ever fail. Isn't that good? No word from God will ever fail. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And that's the story. See, what happens is, is the, the angel goes ahead and tells Mary how All of this is going to happen. But the problem is the how is going to cause all kinds of problems. How many of you know that a lot of times it's better just not to know how? Right? God, just don't tell me how. Just do it. Because if you tell me how, I don't know if I want you to do it. So don't tell me how, just do it. But the, but the angel says here that here's, here's how it's going to happen. You want to know? Here's how it's going to be laid out. The angel says, you know what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit. The way she's going to conceive is the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. And this baby is going to be from God. And that's how she's going to be pregnant. That's how she's going to have this baby. Now remember, you got to remember, you've got to get your mind into this very first Christmas and this teenage girl. You've got to remember the backdrop from which we're studying. Mary and Joseph, remember, are not officially pregnant married yet which means they're not living together which means i'll just say it for you they've never had sex okay they've never had sex and i don't know how all this plays out i can i can just see this happening in my mind maybe this is how it plays out just just kind of go with me i can just see joseph you know one afternoon he's he's bringing his soon-to-be bride home to her doorstep and he's dropping her off at her house and as he's getting ready to drop her off mary says oh joseph um there was one thing <laughs> that I wanted to say to you, and I don't know how to say this, but it's been on my mind for a little while, and it's just kind of kinda, kinda crazy, and Joseph said, well, just what is it? Just, just tell me what it is. And she says, okay, okay, here, here it is. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I think when that happens, I mean, how do you think that happens? I think when that happens, Joseph has to, has to start laughing, going, oh, man, Mary, you are hilarious. You are so hilarious, Mary. You are so funny. But then very quickly, you know what I think? I think his mouth starts to get a little dry and his stomach starts to churn a little bit because he can see clearly that uh, Mary, she's not joking. (laughs) She's not joking about this. And what comes next is this very, very sick feeling deep down inside of him because he also knows he is not the father. And, uh, I mean, he's never even kissed her. He's never been with her alone. Everywhere they go, they have a chaperone with them. I mean, he's never even been alone with her. But obviously, somebody has been alone with Mary, right? I mean, his, his fiance is pregnant with someone else's baby. And and again, I don't know how all of this plays out, and I think maybe Joseph believes her for maybe a few days or a few weeks or kind of back and forth, but then what what the Bible says in another section of Scripture in Matthew, and we're not going to study all of that today, but it says that what happened was this. Joseph was getting ready to just be done. He's going to call it off. He's going to call off the engagement, and what happens is another angel that's all throughout the Bible, all throughout, especially the first Christmas, another angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, hey, listen. Don't be afraid. Fear not, Joseph, because this baby conceived in her is is from me. It's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit. And so you know what they do? Mary and Joseph, they just decide to proceed. And they decide to trust God and believe that he has created them on purpose and that he has a plan for their lives. And that's really right there As they come to that point and they live out the rest of the story. That's really what I want us to to take away and apply to our lives today. Just a couple of things from this season in the first Christmas that I want us to realize. First of all is that God created you on purpose. God created you on purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Do you realize that you are a magnificent creation? Of the Most High God? You are. And I know when I say you, you think I'm talking about some other you. No, I mean you. You are a magnificent creation of the Most High God. And, and maybe some of you are thinking, Todd, I'm just a normal guy. I mean, you don't know me. I've just, I mean, I lived you know, outside of Chicago and I have a normal job and normal house. And, you know, I'm, no, you are a magnificent creation of the Most High God. I don't care if you've been at Parkview five or 10 years or if you've been here for about 50 minutes and this is your first time back in church for a long time, I want to say to you that God notices things about you and has carved things into you that a lot of other people probably don't even notice. And He has a purpose for your life. Let me see if I can uh, illustrate this for you. Several years ago, uh, I was able to go to New York City and You've probably been there, and one of my bucket list kind of things was to go to the Statue of Liberty. So I went and checked out the Statue of Liberty, and, and uh, it was just pretty amazing to be there. I've seen it in pictures, you know, and things like that for years. But to go and to see just how huge and magnificent this statue is, and I didn't go all the way up, you know, and look out her crown and stuff like that, which I think you can do. I didn't do that, but it was, it was, it was pretty incredible to do that and, and just experience being there right beside the Statue of Liberty. And I, I, I went on home, and as I usually do when I study kind of famous places, when I got back home, I started reading and kind of diving into the Statue of Liberty and just kind of studying the history of it. And, and I was blown away with some of the things I learned. One of the biggest things that blew me away about the Statue of Liberty is not, not just, you know, the crown and, and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, every, all that, but it's, it's look at her head, look at her hair behind her crown, Look at the detail that's put into her head there and, and how they carve that into her head. Is that unbelievable? That's, that's amazing. That, that blue, when I saw this picture for the first time, I was like, are you kidding me? That's phenomenal. And maybe right now you're thinking, Todd, I, I don't know. That's, it's like just looks like squiggly lines. I mean, it doesn't look that incredible to me. Why are you so excited about that? Let me tell you why. Do you know when the Statue of Liberty was put in place in the United States of America? It was clear back in 1885, many, many decades before airplanes and helicopters were ever around, many decades before anybody would fly over the Statue of Liberty and see this, the people who created and carved the Statue of Liberty took the very same painstaking time to carve things into the top of her head just like they did her feet and her hands and her face. They carved things into Lady Liberty that they didn't think anybody would ever see. And that blows me away because you know what? I think it's the same way with you and me and God. God has carved things into you that only he can see. And you have purpose because you were created by the most famous, loving, skilled creator in the history of the world. God created you on purpose, and, and God has woven, and listen, this may, some of you this may make your heart beat fast, and others of you this may frustrate, but it's true. God has carved and put things into you that maybe even other people haven't yet had the opportunity to see. He has a purpose for your life. And if God is going to take all this time creating you just right on purpose, you also have to think this, that God is going to have a plan for your life. That's the next thing I want you to write down in your notes, that God has a plan for your life. Not only did he create you on purpose and carve these things and weave these things into your life, but he has a a plan for your life. Let me see if I can illustrate that by telling you a story about a guy who years ago went to a hardware store. This guy was a builder and needed to get some tools and so he went to this hardware store and the owner's shown him around the hardware store and he begins to reach out because he needs a hammer and he reaches out for this hammer and the owner says, oh no, he grabs his hand and says, oh no, not that hammer, that, that, that's just, that hammer's not for sale, it's just a display model hammer. So the Builder puts it back away and says, all right, then no problem. And He's cruising around, he sees an axe that he needs, and so he reaches up to grab the axe, and, and the owner says, oh, no, no, you can't have, not, not that axe, that, that axe really isn't for sale, it's kind of just a display and that sort of thing. And, and so this goes on and on and on with this guy and the owner of this store. Now, if that was you sitting there and this continually happened to you, at some point you would have to say to the owner, hey, what's going on? I mean, here these tools are just sitting on a display shelf just as clean and shiny as the day they were made. I mean, the axe should be on its fifth or sixth handle, right? The hammer should be all dinged up. I mean, these tools, they should be in some guy's garage, right? And when the door goes down and the lights go off, these tools should be telling stories. The hammer should be saying, oh yeah, you guys should see the nails I drove. And the axe should be saying, you should see the wood I chopped. And the shovel should be saying, oh yeah, you should see the ditches I just dug. But instead, here they are, sitting on a display shelf, without a scratch or a blemish and not a story to tell. And some of you know where I'm headed with this. Parkview, let me tell you something. When I get to the end of this life, I don't want any shine left on my shovel, amen? I just don't. I want to be all dinged up on the outside, but I want to just be full of all kinds of amazing, adventuresome stories on the inside. And I bet it's the same for you. Whether you've been around church for a lot of your life, or whether you've been around church for just a few weeks, I bet it's the same for you. You would rather be a tool in the hands of an almighty, amazing God for the remainder of your life than to just sit on a display shelf and not fulfill the purpose. For which you were created. Isn't that true? Well, let me tell you something about God and His plans for your life. Again, if you're taking notes, write this down. God's dream for your life preceded your dream for your life. You have a plan for your life, that's great. That's that's fantastic, that's awesome. But I just want you to know that God's plan for your life preceded your plan for your life. God's dream, God's purpose for your life preceded your purpose for your life. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And then look at this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has woven things into you. He has carved things in you. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of your lives. On all of our campuses, he has a purpose for you. So maybe the question we come back to today as we continue this series is, what is God's plan, maybe? What is God's purpose for your life during this Christmas season? Well, uh, let me go back to that story of me walking along the beach in Malibu. How about that? I'll go back and finish that story, and maybe that will give us some guidance on what God's purpose for us and plan for us might be. Remember, I'm standing on the beach, and I've gone back to my car. God stopped me. And said, Todd, I want you to go back and speak to those people about me. And so I argued with God for, you know, what seemed like uh, 10, 15, 20 minutes and finally said, okay. And so to make a long story medium length, I <clears throat> turned and I began to go back and walk back towards these people. They were several hundred yards away. And I'm walking back towards these people. They're the only ones on the beach. And as I get closer to them, they can tell that I'm coming. And I walk right up to these people, okay, these three people. And, and, I, and, I, and I say, hey, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt your Saturday afternoon, but I just felt like I needed to come back and ask you, do you have any questions about God? (laughs) That's what I said. And you're thinking, Todd, you're so spiritual. I know, I am. Thank you. You're you're an incredible pastor. Again, thank you. I know. Uh, Do you have any questions about God? And uh, one of the guys very quickly piped up and said, I don't know. Do you have answers? And I said, I don't know. What's your question? And then they talked for what seemed like five or ten minutes. It was probably just a minute. And that very same guy piped back up. And he said, you know what? No, we don't have any questions at this point, at this time. And I said, you know what? All right. Got it. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt your afternoon. And I turned around and I just began to walk away from them. And I want to tell you this, part view. And I tell you this just because I believe we're friends. Uh, When I got out of their audible range, I said out loud, I said, God, what was that about? Are you serious? I mean, because I was a little bit frustrated and a whole lot embarrassed by going back to these people. I said, God, what was that about? I mean, I had grand plans for these people, right? I was going to lead them to Jesus. We're right by the ocean. Oh, look, there's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And I was going to baptize them, and the angels were going to be like, and it was going to be this amazing, glorious moment, and I was going to preach about it. And so I'm like, "Uh, God, what was that? And again, I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't hear anything out loud from God, but I'm telling you, Parkview, just as clearly as like it was yesterday, I felt God speak to my heart. I felt Him say to my heart, Todd, you know what that was about? Todd, that was all about you being obedient to my voice and my leading in your life. That was it. Todd, I just wanted to know that if I ask you to do something, you'll do it. And so, Parkview, what's God's purpose? What's God's plan for your life this Christmas season? I'm, I'm going to tell you what God's purpose and plan is. Are you ready? Here's God's purpose and plan for your life. Are you ready for it? I don't know. I don't know. And some of you, again, are thinking, I don't like him. I just don't like him. He can be your friend, Tim, but not mine. We don't like him. <clears throat> Because he, he hasn't told us anything, really, basically. He hasn't, I don't know what he's done. What's God's plan for your life? I don't know, but here's what I can tell you. Here, here's what I can promise you. I promise you, I don't know all of you, certainly, but I can promise you this is true of your life. If you will make time to listen to God, he will tell you. He will tell you. He'll, he'll speak to your heart, just like he did Mary and Joseph. And I would say that God's purpose for each of our lives this Christmas season God's purpose would be that we would listen to His promptings and fulfill his purposes, listen to His voice and leading and fulfill his purposes. It may not just be one big overarching purpose he has for you. Maybe he has many different purposes and plans for you, even during this Christmas season. And, and by the way, when it comes to God's plans in your life and God's promptings in your life, there's no such thing as big promptings or little promptings. I mean, who are we to say the moment we are involved in is big or small? We can't see the future. We can't see the scope of God's grand plans. The only thing for us is to be obedient. And and maybe you feel like you have some big promptings and some big plans that God is putting on your heart during this Christmas season. And that's wonderful. Maybe you have some big plans like, God, you know this. You've been ignoring it. But you know that God is calling you because you have the means to help somebody out during this Christmas season, maybe January or or, or December, and pay their mortgage, pay their rent. And you could do that. That's a big prompting. You're kind of scared about it, but that's big. Or maybe you're supposed to give your car to somebody and you get another car. Or maybe you're supposed to buy somebody a car. God's been putting that on your heart. Those those could be big. You feel like big plans. But maybe you also, you you kind of feel like, you know what, God hasn't given me anything like that. God, maybe you just feel like this little voice and you keep just kind of ignoring it. Maybe God's just been asking you in a little way to just go to your friend's house, drive over to your friend's house, and just go sit in front of their house in your car and just pray for them. God keeps telling you that every day when you're driving home from work. Just go pray for them. Don't even ring the doorbell. Don't even go in. Or or maybe God's prompting and his plan for you during this Christmas season is just to text one of your friends or email one of your friends about coming back to Christmas, Christmas Eve services. You see, Todd, that's not that big a deal, but God keeps putting this guy or this girl on your heart. And, and how many of you know, sometimes God's timing in that is just perfect, oftentimes. And, and we can text them those things, and, and who knows what difference it will make in their life. Let me just share this one last thing, and I'm going to wrap this up. Do you know this? Do you know that a hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter in a person's life is what they believe about Jesus? That's it. What kind of car you drive is great. That's great. If you have a nice car, if you live in a great house, fantastic. That, that's wonderful. Those are all great things. Who, who you get married to, that's very important, obviously. Uh, you know, th- those kinds of things are big. Where you go to college, again, big decision. All, all those things are good and big. A hundred years from now, the only thing that's going to matter is what a person believes about Jesus. And so Parkview, may we be the kind of people who fear not, and follow Jesus wherever he leads us this week in fact for the next few moments I'm going to pray and there's going to be some time we're going to sing and in your program you have this little connection card and in that connection card there's this uh, little next step area and it says I'm going to fear not and follow Jesus and maybe you have something God's been laying on your heart today or earlier this week. You could just write that in there to keep yourself accountable or you could give it to somebody here at the church so they could pray for you and come alongside you as you fear not and follow after him. Now let's pray together today. God, thanks for the opportunity that we have to come together to a place like this and to to sing and just recalibrate ourselves with, with worship, with music and what that does to our hearts and our spirits. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to study the Bible, to study your word that is just so relevant in our lives, even today. God, I just pray that we would be the kind of people who are just as bold and and brave and excited and full of purpose out there in the world as we are in here. God, thank you for this time to study and grow. God, I pray that we would be open to your purpose and plan this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.